With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. Patrick Henningsen talks on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, ladies and gentlemen, all right, welcome back to the program. We're in hour number two of this live broadcast. Thank you guys for rejoining us. Hello to everybody in the TNT chat community. We have uh, very good numbers there this week. Great to see you. Big thank you, by the way, to Basil Valentine, our guest host uh, yesterday. Basil's just done a storming job of filling in for me this week. A couple more days. Uh, Basil might be uh, filling in because we've got a busy schedule here live at Anarchapoco 2024. We're down in Mexico on location in the back secret garden in the podcasting lounge. We're here. Got some people in the studio audience. Big shout out to everybody in the VIP lounge. So as we were talking before uh, with with Charlie Robinson and uh, we had some great people drop in and uh, Steve Falconer will come back with David Parker, who wrote this amazing book with Don Lester, uh, What Really Makes You Ill. I think that's the title of the book, but uh, an absolute legend. He just dropped in impromptu into Acapulco, came in presenting, and I'm looking forward to speaking to David. He's an absolute hero. And um, there's a there's some people doing some interesting things here and among us among the attendees we have uh, authors we have entrepreneurs we have inventors we have trailblazers in a number of different fields and uh in our audience today uh i have a christian uh yordanov and christian has written a book just recently published right christian two weeks ago two weeks ago this is fresh off the press how to actually live longer by christian Jordanoff, Christian, uh, welcome to the program. Thanks so much, Patrick. And uh, what, what brings you to, besides your book, Christian, what brings you to Anarchapoco 2024? Charlie Robinson emailed me in August. He said, get your ass down here in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> so I spoke to my wife and got her blessing almost immediately. And that, that I'm here now. That's great. That's great. So, so Charlie said, "Be here," and you came. Uh, you didn't come empty-handed, Christian. So you've got this. So tell us about this this new project, this new book. So this is um, how to actually live longer, Volume One. I'm hoping it will be at least a three-volume series, potentially a five-volume series. Oh, I, I decided I'll cap it at five fifty thousand words because. I've, I've read very few of the books I bought. So I want people to actually read this book. I want them to apply the information. And the reason I have how to actually live longer in the title is because as I explain in the book, a lot of the purportedly healthy longevity practices that we are exposed to in the mainstream are actually the exact opposite. They, are, they make us weaker, more prone to disease and age us faster. And I explain how and why in the book and what to do and what not to do. And um, I think next time I edit the book, I'm going to add the Socrates quote at the beginning. If you want to be wrong, follow the masses. I think it's a very apt quote. And all of us here at Anarchapuka know there's a lot of psyops out there. And I think many of us fall into the trap of thinking, yes, there's psyops, about government, finance, banking, and so on. But we forget health is, is one of the biggest psyops. So um, in, in this first volume, I talk about why fasting is not good for long, longevity. That includes intermittent fasting. 
why low carb diets are not good for longevity. You know, we have this low carb keto paleo movement over the last, you know, 10 years. That's actually not good for longevity. Um, and uh, yeah, I explained the, the mechanisms via which we uh, degenerate that, uh, and we age ourselves faster. And they're basically what I call the three primary drivers of aging and dysfunction. So I came up with this very simplified model. Stress is at the top of this kind of, I call it in my head, the Illuminati triangle of health. So you have stress, inflammation, and oxidative stress. And these things feed into each other. And a lot of, I call stress and inflammation archetypal stressors in the body because they're caused by a lot of things like, you know, alcohol, cigarettes, et cetera. And they cause a lot of health problems. So th these are the things I educate people how to protect themselves against. And you're, you're a qualified uh, practitioner, aren't you? Uh, what field are you, what, what you, did you study? Yeah, so um, I'm a certified functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. I have an, a bunch of other qualifications, but that would be my main one. Where we differentiate ourselves from your regular nutritionist is we've been taught how to use lab testing, functional lab testing, advanced sort of urine, hormone testing, food sensitivity. Blood, panel. blood panels. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. kind of stuff. So we use that to identify um, sort of metabolic blockages, opportunities to optimize health where you wouldn't feel these things. Um, it's like, you know, when you have atherosclerosis, it takes decades until you have that stroke or the heart attack. So with a little bit of, just a little bit of uh, more digging deeper into it, um, you, you identify things, you know, years and decades ahead of time and you fix those little metabolic blockages. And then, you know, you open the sort of the, the opportunity for the body to express its highest genetic potential that it can at that given moment. So that's, that's also a big thing, uh, Christian, is that it takes time. It take because it takes years to build up these conditions, and and you you can make massive improvements in the short term, and you probably have some great stories about this. But then you need to stay with it, and then you see the benefits months and years later. Absolutely, yeah. I think this is what we you know we've been taught. So all of most of us are indoctrinated into the world, and you know you're taught. Okay, you you have a symptom let's say headache, simple example, you have a symptom, what do you do? Ibuprofen, paracetamol, acetaminophen. So we are still taught, we, we, we've been taught to wait until there's something that goes wrong. So, you know, I, there's a lot of, I follow a lot of naturopathic, functional medicine doctors and, and some medical doctors that have woken up, you know, but what I still don't like is that they still wait for the person to come to them with the problem. So this is kind of what, what I, I, I think we need to teach people is be proactive. You know, do you wait until your car has a symptom before you take it to the shop? No. Like so, some, especially men, take better care of their cars. They spend more money on their cars than their own health. So this is what I want to teach people. You know, don't wait until you have whatever problem, let's say erectile dysfunction if you're a guy. Why wait until then? And then what are you going to take a Viagra? No, no. You need to figure out what is going on right now in your body and check it every once in a while, make adjustments. And it, the, the problem is that we have not been educated and this is what, kind of my, what I humbly want to um, remedy. Yeah, and uh, oxidative stress of, of all, um, you, that sort of triggered me because I mean, uh, what, what I've studied is of everything, this is one of the biggest things, even in some cases, even more important than diet in some cases, because not everybody can always eat as healthy as they like because of their job, their lifestyle, they travel a lot. But the stress thing, you actually can control. You know, it doesn't matter where you are. This is the, but this is the thing that people always overlook: yeah. is oxidative stress. 
Yeah, I think what what I in this first volume what I teach people is how to make yourself more resilient to oxidative stress by rebuilding your body with higher quality materials, right? So think about if you have a house, if if you have instead of bricks, you have coke plastic coke bottles or cardboard boxes, that house will be more exposed to the elements. So one of the biggest psyops that we're living in right now is the heart healthy omega-6 polyunsaturated fats. If you go on the W or the World Harm Organization, as I like to call them, on the WHO, if you go to Harvard Health Press, um, um, <clears throat> the American Heart Association websites, they will tell you that saturated fats are bad, okay, you know, bad. They, they raise your cholesterol, bad. Um, and omega-6s from nuts, seeds are heart healthy. And you need to, you ought to include five to 10% of, of them, cal calorically speaking, into your diet. So five to 10% of your calories should come from omega-6s. And they should be balanced with omega-3s, you know, from fish oil and flax or whatever else, right? So this is one of the biggest psyops. But a lot of people are waking up to this, right? Omega-6, they know the, the polyunsaturated fats, the oils that, you know, uh, come seed, from- Seed oils, vegetable seed oil. oils. So people yeah. know that, but here's the thing. What do they come from? They come from seeds, right? So is if the, the oil of the seed is not good for you, is the seed good for you? And, you know, a lot of guys in the carnivore space, they've kind of ra uh, uh, sounded the alarm on this, you know, plant foods can be, can have toxins and anti-nutrients in them. So I think a lot of us, we, we have done well to, you know, exclude these oils out of our home, you know, kitchen environment. But those of us that travel a lot, that eat out a lot, you have to remember you are constantly being exposed to these. And what happens when you eat them, they get integrated into your cells. You build you, and re, you're constantly remodeling yourselves uh, with these very fragile, prone to oxidation fats. So it's like you're replacing the bricks with Coke bottles, cardboard boxes, right? So to make yourself more resist, resilient to oxidative stress, you have to exclude these and, you know, just focus on saturated fats, some monounsaturated fats, and your body over the years, it does take years to get them out of your system. You need to, uh, your, over the years, your body will rebuild itself. So you will have less uh, oxidants, we have less places to, you know, create problems. And what a another thing that people don't, most people don't know is these omega-6s, they're actually the backbone of inflammatory molecules that you know raise your blood pressure create inflammation cause pain and so on so the less of these you have in your body the less inflammatory potential you have in your body so this alone getting these oils out of your diet and by the way uh, a lot of people don't know fish oil omega-3s they're even more polyunsaturated so i believe that omega-3s is the even bigger psyop right omega-3s are even more oxidizable, peroxidizable than omega-6s. So if you have them, let's say in your eyes, your retina and in your brain, if you face a stressor that causes oxidation, it's a cascade chain reaction, the more omega-3s you have, the even more damage can get caused. So I completely cut out omega-3s from my diet and my family's diet over the last year. And, and yeah, that's because take your fish oils. They've been yeah. saying that for 30, 40 Every, years. Everywhere. So every health food store you go in, the first thing you see when you walk in, omega-3 fish oils. Yeah, so the, ne the next volume of my book, I'll have probably a whole chapter on 
why you you ought to can the omega threes, mm. right? There's so many so many problems. It's not maybe if they if they if we were living you know ten thousand years ago without all these um you know pesticides and plastics and whatever, maybe be being made out of these fats wouldn't be so bad because there's less of these stressors causing inflammation, oxidative stress. Maybe back then a lot of these things would have been okay, but back then you would not have had access to nuts every day of the week. You know, you couldn't be eating nuts. It would be a seasonal thing. It would be hard to access. You have to climb trees. But uh, falling out of trees was a major cause of death back then. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't really be risking your life for nuts every single day of, of the week. So um, maybe back a lot of, so, so this is this kind of a central theme to my book is we have to reevaluate the environment we were, uh, we're living in and adapt our strategies for longevity because you cannot live your, like your ancestors and expect to to get you know uh, good outcomes in today's world. So adapt to your local environment or the optimum environment. To the modern world. To the modern world. So you have to. So you know, you're getting more toxins in. So um, so I I, I tell my clients, even if you eat perfectly for your RDAs, let's say, uh, or, or not, not even your RDAs, let's say you knew <clears throat> by some magic force you knew exactly how much, how many calories you need how many of all the vitamins and minerals you need. Let's say you ate perfectly and met all your needs. That would not be enough in today's world because you have to detoxify a ton of stuff constantly. Literally dozens of things are getting detoxified out of your body all the time. So that brings you, let's say one, 2% below your threshold. So you're actually accumulating physiological debt over the months and the years. So you have to go over and above. And by the way, we all know that RDA's recommended dietary allowances, they were kind of built using uh, prison populations, just they're designed to keep the slaves, the plebs, barely alive, you know, the soldiers being able to fight, being able to work the machines on the factory floor without killing over. So uh, eating, meeting your RDA's is no measure of success in today's world. I think this is another thing people have to remember. Yeah, that's that's rationing actually, isn't it? Rationing, yeah. Calorie rationing, yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty. And by the way, who came up with the a lot of the RDAs was Ansel Keys, the same dude that basically spearheaded the whole cholesterol diet heart hypothesis, and he is actually he's the one that dreamt up the Mediterranean diet. So anyone that's like, oh, you know, the Mediterranean diet is good for this and that and longevity. Well, it's the same guy. And if you look at, if you go on PubMed.org where all the literature, the scientific literature is published, that guy was obsessed with like starvation. He ran starvation experiments. There's a very famous Minnesota starvation experiment where the, the people ate, I think it's like 17, 1800 uh, calories per day, which a lot of people are eating nowadays. Mm -hmm. And they recorded the symptoms that they were feeling. So, um, you know, the guy was just obsessed with like starving uh, people and just really uh, was, was a weird guy. And because of him, the cholesterol hypothesis has called, caused untold damage to all the people taking statins, you know, for the last, oh, you know, statins. how many decades. Statins, that's, so the cholesterol is a, a good cholesterol, bad cholesterol. They add the two together and they give this, this total reading, which is not indicative or of anyone's health. It doesn't really say anything, but it's got people cutting all cholesterol. And you need cholesterol, don't you? Like it's the building blocks of your brain and so many other things. So uh, cell membranes, um, cholesterol, you make vitamin D out of it. You make testosterone. You make testosterone out of cholesterol. Mm. 
progesterone for women and so on, you know. So this is a very fundamental to life uh, molecule. And they, 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 this is, again, they're teaching us to fear things that are completely normal, like the sun, mm. right? Um, and they're also teaching us to go against our instincts. What, no, I was talking to somebody today um, that was saying ice baths this, ice baths that. Like, what human in nature, let's say 20,000 years ago, would gravitate towards, you know, jumping in a freezing cold lake? You, you know, you, 99 out of 100 times you're dead. Some Swedes, maybe. No, I'm talking 20,000 years ago where you couldn't jump into the sauna afterwards. Vikings. Oh, yeah, well, you don't, yeah, the infrared sauna wasn't available. Yeah. That's exactly, you know, you, you're lucky if you could, you know, throw a fire together. So they're teaching us to go against our own instincts, like fasting, bro. Like, don't, don't tell me, I have a whole chapter on why fasting is not good for- Well, they say the paleo man uh, was a hunter-gatherer, so it's feast and famine, He that we're hardwired for long periods of not having food, but you're saying this is not the right way to look at it? So yeah, it's like, yes, we are able to survive without, let's say, carbohydrates or without food, but just because we can, should we is the question. Because, you know, if, if, we're, if we're to kind of follow that line of thinking, we wouldn't be lighting the barbecue with a lighter. You'd be, you know, smashing two rocks together. But, you know, we wouldn't be wearing shoes all the time. But we have these technological advancements. And the, one of the biggest technological advancements that we have is uh, refrigeration. So, um, there's so, like, there's so many threads you can pull on why fasting is bad for you. But I, I like to um, kind of go to the research and explain to people why is research on fasting and caloric restriction bunk. And the reason it's bunk is because first of all, most of the animals on those in those studies are fed what I call glorified toxic slop, which is polyunsaturated fats, fish meal, wheat, you know, gluten, synthesized vitamins, and just absolute toxic garbage. So then <clears throat> they have that group that is the fasting group or the cal caloric restriction group. And then they have the, what is known as ad libitum or ad libitum feeding, where the, the other group of animals are allowed to eat as much as they want. So those animals are eating more of this poison and often they overeat and get fat, which creates metabolic problems. So they have a bunch of uh, health problems and they don't live as long as the group that ate less of the poison. And this is then picked up by mainstream media and they're like, oh, new study has found that caloric restriction 40% increases lifespan by 30%, or fasting five days out of the month increases lifespan in rodents, you know, 30% or 20%. So, you know, mainstream media will not go over these, the devil in the details. People are then influenced. So we are, inf they are influencing public opinion, and then it can take decades to undo that. Look at the cholesterol stuff still. I'm meeting people I, on the first day, on the first evening I met somebody here at an anarchist conference, that when I explained the whole cholesterol stuff, he's like, what medical credentials do you have? I'm like, bro, it's not about medical credentials. Let's not appeal to authority. I'm explaining very basic mechanisms, you know? So you can see how difficult it is to undo the brainwashing once it's been put in place. Yeah, there's so many of these over the years. And then the the, the, the wine growing association uh, saying that, uh, you know, you have Rip to, seeds. you have to, yeah, you have to neck a couple of uh, glasses of red to, for longevity. And flag, as you do flax seeds, you, you've got listed here. So what about cannabis? It's three, six and nine omegas, right? Is that, is that a, is that an optimized source of nutrition, cannabis seeds? Nothing that's a seed is in any way, shape or form an optimal food for a human being. 
um, uh, because they're the plant's babies. They're highly protected. There's a lot of anti-nutrients. Uh, there's a lot of um, digestive enzyme inhibitors because it doesn't want to be digested. It wants to survive your digestive tract, land up, end up somewhere in a pile of dung or poop, which is the, the ripe conditions for a new plant to emerge. So there's that's why, you know, ancestral methods of uh, inactivating these plant toxins like fermentation, salting, sprouting, uh, sprouting leavening, etc., uh, have been utilized. So <clears throat> to in, in the modern environment, these are way too costly, uh, way too sort of time prohibitive for manufacturers of processed foods to utilize. So, you know, uh, most of the stuff we're getting in a processed form that was once a seed has none of these things stripped out. So if you if you look at a seed or a nut, if you roast it, you're inactivating some of the toxins, but what are you doing? Then you're oxidizing a lot of the omega-6s that or, or omega-3s in some nuts. So now you're ingesting oxidized things that are gonna damage your your basically your cells. Yeah, so again, possibly misled uh, once again. So there's all of these things that need to be looked at reevaluated it's good to get different people i like the functional medicine field because it's been very good for me in uh t times in my life when i was really uh, you know near death you could say mm -hmm. uh, i went to functional medicine and chiropractics um, to help uh, with a lot of things gi track uh chiropractics all sorts of things the blood work mm -hmm. and uh and i think it made a big difference i just felt uh, a better connection with the doctor and that's also part of it isn't it huge that uh, you bond with whoever's treating you you feel like they're they're helping you yeah every time like uh, uh, when i start uh, working with a new client uh, that f initial protocol when i'm writing that initial protocol on dietary lifestyle things supplements etc i am almost imagining a light coming from the heavens and bathing them and you know some some sort of yeah i have this sort of i don't know process where you kind of it, it's intentional you know when you go do, do a um, let's say ayahuasca ceremony or whatever uh the the curandero that's running it it's that energy has an aspect not that he's the healer you are your own healer and i think this is where we have to check our egos at the door but the the, the intention is a big part of it and I, what i find is um you know i i haven't really had many health problems though my my lifestyle in my teens and 20s was horrendous <clears throat> i I um, I was unscathed by the grace of God, but people around me, uh, this is what led me down this path. People around me, um, man, they go to the doctor and just the callous treatment, they would come back disappointed. And I was like, man, there's no way, like, you know, there's no way to help people heal, to be just this callous. You know, I remember my wife time, um, my wife one time, I had to take her to the emergency with some kind of pain, it was similar like an appendicitis or something. The doctor there, he didn't even smile. He just he almost didn't blink. Like, I'm like, is this a robot? He just gave her an antibiotic, like, bladder infection. Uh, you know, like, I'm like, how in the hell are people like this allowed to interact with the public to eat for their health? You'd expect that from like a guy working in the freaking concentration camps. Yeah. 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 Or doing war wartime triage in a tent, yeah. in a war yeah, zone or something. That's what it looked like he was doing. Like he thought, he, I think, think when you were in that stressful environment for decades or, you know, years and years, you, a lot of, it's well known that in, in a state of stress, a lot of altruism, joy, creativity, higher thought, a lot of these things get shut down because it's survival mechanism, which is why things like the, the COVID uh, scare that, why are they building 
fear into the masses because that literally shuts down all of these uh, uh, future planning, all these processes. Mm-hmm. And what, when you raise cortisol and adrenaline, that actually has an immunosuppressive effect. So you become more susceptible um, to whatever, whatever that you know wants to um, uh, be that a pathogenic organism or, or whatever. So this is why I explain in the book, you have to stay under, once you understand what is stressful, you just have to stay away from those things. And fasting is stressful because it raises stress hormones. That's how you survive it. Low carb diets, you know, the keto, the keto diet was literally designed to mimic starvation. So it's out of the picture. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if you want longevity, you have to stay away from all of these things. So endurance exercise, you know, um, like I said, fasting, low carb diets, all of these things, once you understand the basic physiology of stress, you understand what you need to stay the hell away from. That includes, you know, toxic relationships and things like that. Well, there's a lot to, there's a lot to, uh, to go through. I wish I had more time and maybe we can, re- <clears throat> maybe we can reconnect uh, in the future, Christian Yordanoff. The book is called How to Actually Live Longer, debuting here at Anarchapoco 2024. Christian, amazing. It's great to Thank meet you, mate. So much, bro. And let's say, I got a few questions for you off camera after we're finished, but hopefully we can catch up sure. over a, a carrot juice or something. For sure. Uh, or a beer. I'm not sure <laughs> that way inclined. Um, let's just take a break with TNT. However, we're going to go to the network here. We're Anarchapoco 2024. We're in the back of the VIP, in the back of the podcast lounge, Secret Garden. It's our studio audience, our loyal studio audience here. Listen, we're going to take a break, and we're going to cycle in a couple more people uh, who are going to turn up. Steve Falconer, David Parker, looking forward to that. I'm your host, Patrick Kenningson. Stay with us. We'll be back in a few minutes. TNT. Sonia Poulton. You feel the need to describe yourself, along with being a useless eater, free speech, isn't a phobia, as a male with a penis. Why would you feel the need to describe yourself as such? Well, you never know these days, do you? Anyone can have a penis, apparently. So just thought you better make sure everybody knows. And that, and that is the reality, isn't it? Words have lost all meaning. And one of the things that I wanted you to come on and come and join me about and comment about is the whole issue of gender and transgenderism. Are you cis, Jack? No. There's no such thing. There was, there was literally no such thing till a couple of years ago. And it's, it's their religion. It's not mine. And I refuse to get involved with this sort of terminology. It's ridiculous. Sonia Poulton on today's News Talk TNT. Affordable housing. We can build that. Sustainable housing. We can build that. At MIT Modular, we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design, cost, and functionality. Our goal is to meet the needs of our growing population by converting shipping containers to livable units. If you're like-minded and in a position to invest in something meaningful and life-changing, we want to hear from you. We are a team of professional architects, engineers, and financial and tax experts dedicated to offering unique solutions that provide a brighter future. Our Opportunity Zone Fund offers investors both real estate and operating business diversification five-year tax deferral on capital gains, annual tax benefits, and ultimately tax-free appreciation potential. There are opportunity zones all over America. If you're interested in learning more about our services, need affordable housing, or want to participate in creating a new vision for tomorrow, give us a call in the U.S. on 385-985-5702 or read more at MITModular.com. MIT Modular. We can build that. 
the conversation continues. I don't believe it, and I think that's a terrible position that I am in, that I don't trust my government. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Yes, welcome back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. And we're at Anarchapoco 2024. I'm Patrick Hennings, your host. We're just waiting for a couple of uh, guests who are just off stage. Uh, we're going to be coming on joining us in a moment. Uh, Steve Falconer and David Parker. David is from the UK. I think he's originally Australian, uh, but him and Don Lester are absolute legends uh, in the health space. And the, the book is called What Really Makes You Ill, if I got the title correct on that. Um, but they are amazing, and David's just dropped into Acapulco on the sort of SP, not scheduled, and he's already doing a presentation this week, so that's going to be interesting. He's, I think he spoke this morning. We're going to try to bring him on uh, after his presentation with uh, Steve Falconer, so we're looking forward to that maybe in the next, next couple of minutes. But, yeah, this is the final segment of the final hour of this live broadcast. It's been a fantastic event on a number of different levels. Um, I presented uh, yesterday, did a talk uh, on the main stage about propaganda, media, uh, and why we need to sort of step up our game uh, in the independent media and how we are now, I would say, not really in direct competition with the mainstream media, but we are actually creating a completely parallel system of information and broadcasting and media. So this is one thing that uh, we need to sort of focus on, I think, as a collective, as a community, uh, and everybody who is on social media, who is on X, who is on uh, Facebook, Instagram, who are, who's off uh, the main internet and on private networks uh, as well. And all of these people are playing the role of journalists, believe it or not. Everybody who's aggregating information, who's collating data, uh, they're all journalists. We are all journalists here in the 21st century. So this issue of censorship, the issue of free speech is something that I think is going to affect, is affecting everybody. And it's an issue that we all got to take ownership of. So we have to kind of take responsibility of what we're publishing, make sure it's accurate, Make sure that it uh, is doing what it's meant to do, which is to inform and educate people. Uh, and we're sharing that with our community. We're amplifying that information. So in a way, yes, we are all we've all become journalists uh, in that sense. So we do have qualified, you know, people who study journalism, people who have worked in the field. They're acting uh, in that capacity as well. But the community is much larger than that. And I think that sort of that general. Uh, so I think that's that, that sort of general effect um that's coming from the the entire the entire group i think that's going to make a big difference uh in countering the narrative and upending uh the narrative uh and we're as we go forward i think uh there's going to be more media outlets that are coming online uh be they uh a lot of these are in the form of channels um so we're still relying on centralization in a way of uh, collectively kind of gathering on rumble uh youtube is a non-starter when it comes to free speech any high quality information nothing cutting very little if anything cutting edge is being allowed to be broadcast on youtube rumble that does have a kind of a free speech policy at the moment but at the end of the day they're trading on the uh on the nasdaq on the stock exchange so that's a public part of a publicly listed company consortium they could be taken over at just about any minute, um, if there's a leverage buyout, for instance. So, I mean, it's all great now, but that could change. And that would go for the entire archive of content on a platform uh, like Rumble. Uh, and Odyssey is a good example. Odyssey came onto the scene. They had their own crypto token. 
is a great concept, uh, the library coin. Uh, and I think they have either they're in the process of, um, or they've kind of changed hands. Um, so if that's the case, if that's indeed what's going to happen to an absolute, absolutist free speech platform like Odyssey, uh, then, you know, nothing really is safe. So we're still, you know, we're decentralized in the sense that people are putting content on different platforms, many, many different platforms. That's a type of a decentralization component. But at the end of the day, it's still centralized because we're still having to park our our content, our information on single platforms. Those are owned. Those can be bought out. Those can be co-opted. They can be shut down. So the real future, I think, is when everybody becomes an independent broadcaster, when everybody is serving their own content, when everybody has their own nodes, control of their own nodes, their own servers, their own protocols. So I think this is where the cryptocurrency space, the Bitcoin space, is interesting. Um, certainly, uh, there's a big debates about public blockchains versus private blockchains, uh, public coins versus privacy coins. So this is an important discussion that's happening. And I think the similar discussion is going to be happening on hosting content. Because as we go forward, the reactions from governments, from the establishment, has been to double down uh, on all of these measures rather than uh, to sort of relent and kind of go with the, the natural trend of humanity and liberty, which is uh, more freedom, less regulation. These, this is the natural order of, of, of real progress and real innovation. When you remove the guardrails on a lot of these things, you start to see things getting a lot more interesting. The early 1.0 of the internet, there were very few guardrails up. There were protocol guardrails, but just in general, uh, it was pretty much the Wild West. And this was, uh, many people argue, a very interesting time. And a lot of the, the ethos of the internet had changed radically um, after that. And when things became more centralized, when the social media big tech giants came on board, when they came on board... Uh, it changed things radically and and maybe not for the better. And this is when censorship became a kind of a one a single point of failure uh, issue. And that's been a big problem, I'll be honest. Uh, and this is a debate, I think, that needs to happen. So we see a lot of interesting things opening up uh, on this front. And I'm joined by a couple of guests have drifted in. One familiar face, one new face uh, to the event. If you guys pull up close to the table, pop your headphones on, pull that mic up nice and close. So we're at Anarcapoco 2024 down here in Acapulco, Mexico, on location. And uh, returning to the mic uh, is the man with the golden voice, uh, Steve Falconer, the voice of Space Busters, the voice of many great films, uh, debunking uh, virology and uh, looking at the debate about germ theory and terrain theory a lot closer uh, with a lot more, a lot more circumspect. Uh, Steve Falconer, thanks for rejoining us. Oh. Yep, go ahead, Steve. How you doing? My voice is so good, even it doesn't even show up. Yeah, uh, thank you. Great to be back on, and I brought a special friend with. I just watched his presentation. He blew the place away. Wow, amazing. So yeah, so we're up at uh, Max Egan has a bar called the Crow House, which used to be a website, and now it's a bar. So it's a, you go from a, being a website to a bar in Acapulco. That's incredible. <laughs> I never thought I'd see that happen. So we go into the real Crow House, and uh, there's an artful dodger drifting into Acapulco, totally unscheduled. David, what are you doing in Mexico? Uh, you may well ask. Um, it was obviously one of those things where I decided at the last minute to come. Well, I was in Florida, Florida at the time, and uh, I hadn't planned on speaking or anything like that, but then... Uh, 
things happened uh, thanks to steve really and uh, suddenly i was speaking which i've just done so uh things i don't believe in coincidences everything happens for a reason so uh, that, that's been the way of things for me even from the release of our book what really makes you ill um which was released at christmas 2019 uh, very fortuitous because we all know what happened in 2020 uh, january and um there was our book already on the market so uh everything happens for a reason we didn't plan it that way it just happened so uh, i've run my life like that you go with the flow of things if it goes smoothly then you're going in the right direction if it's all lumps and bumps then you need to change direction and that's always worked for me and your, your book has become a kind of an underground phenomenon and i know you guys have uh, hit the road you're doing you're talking to communities you're doing presentations your co-author as well yeah. talk about her and what what has your work been confined to uh europe in the uk or have you gone global in this it's um it's gone global um i mean if amazon is anything to go by they sell our book into 15 different countries worldwide um it's been translated into three other languages um french uh, dutch and japanese would you believe so as well as english so four languages in total we're hoping that we can get a spanish translator and publisher um because that would be great to get it uh, into us so if anyone out there uh, knows a spanish publisher that might like to take it on it's a big book and uh, that often frightens them when they realize it's 800 pages to translate but uh, hopefully someone's brave enough to do it uh, i mean it's been successful in these other countries so uh, I'm hoping that someone will approach us and say, "Yeah, we'll do it." Yeah, it is. It is. It is a hefty book. Yeah. Like it. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's big. I haven't even read it all. I I read one chapter that was 300 pages, and <laughs> it's it's great. Yeah, David Parker and uh, Don Lester is was the co-author on that book. I actually met them. Uh, if if you're in the the no virus camp and the in the no germ movement, you you will definitely know these two and hear about these two and. That's how I met them, and I, I, I never have done. I've never been an interviewer. I've been interviewed on loads of podcasts and and radio shows, and I make films. But uh, the first time I tried my hat at interviewing, I, I actually took David and Dawn, and uh, I don't know. I was probably rubbish, but it was a. <laughs> it's good. It was a great interview anyway, and we became friends after that. They were just in Copenhagen back in uh, what October, visiting uh, Star Forts with me, and we in Sweden too. So we we become really really good friends. And, yeah. Uh, so so what's your next move uh david on on the road uh with the book uh have you guys got any events planned uh what's what's coming up next okay yeah well we've already taken a few bookings for uh summertime because a uh, few that's in the uk a few, few people up north uh we, we sort of tend not to go too far north in the winter time because you get stuck in the snow so uh we're up in newcastle in scotland uh, a little later on um doing the book but also doing uh, in fact our first venue which is uh, in newcastle is about the nature of reality so uh, we're finding it more uh, more open now that people are wanting to know about what the hell is going off with life and are starting to want to know more about what is this reality you know are we in control or is it just run by a load of uh, psychopaths that we can do nothing about well i can assure people it's not and we can do a lot about it and that's why we're all here so if we want to get a hold of this book, uh, how much does it cost on retail? Uh, and yeah, you said it's available in multiple countries. Well, we're talking about two different books. I mean, the What Really Makes You Will book, which is a big one, is, yeah, that's the one that's been translated. The exist, only existing one at the moment uh, about the nature of reality um, is uh, still available on Amazon. 
and you can get it as a um, a Kindle version. Um, it's not expensive, probably ten dollars, so it's readily available. But uh, what we're doing now—what's that one called? And that's called the Nature of oh. Reality. But the twist on that is uh, because it was the very first book we uh, wrote, and um, we published it under our uh, pen name NOR, stands for the Nature of Reality. And that was because I was employed at the time by a very large food manufacturer who would, who would not have taken kindly to some of the things I was saying about them and their food products, which uh, <laughs> are obviously toxic waste. But that's another story. So, uh, yeah, so that was published under a pseudonym. Um, but we're going to re-release our Nature Reality book because we've added some things to it. But since um, a friend of mine, we put in a course together called Relative Reality, which is what I've just been talking about, which is uh, a more personalized view of showing people that the reality that they live is very personal to them. It's relative only to them. It's not what others have talked about as a co-created reality. That's part of the illusion. Uh, we're very much personally responsible for what we create and what comes into our reality, which is actually very empowering once you understand how that works. And uh, we explain that uh, in the upcoming course. You can look at uh, what we've written about. You can't buy the course yet because it's not finished. But if people want to go to uh, relativereality.one, that's with the one, zero, uh, O-N-E, relativereality.one, we talk a lot more about it there and give some analogies. And uh, hopefully people will be inspired and excited by it and realize that uh, that will help them a lot. Just uh, just to give us a little bit of a sneak preview, does this uh, include the Mandela effect? Because Steve had and I had a conversation over breakfast this morning about a man who thought he was paying his mortgage for 40 years and then one day woke up and as if some magic thing happened and it was already paid off. Yeah. Like, tell us this story. Yeah. Well, there's... Um... Yes, I mean, I won't go into too much details about that one. It's a personal friend of mine, and uh, he's working through that one at the moment. But yes, the course does explain the Mandela effect and how it works with multiple timelines, which also explains the uh, déjà vu effect, which is the as the French words mean already seen. So where you're actually, in a timeline point of view, seem to be seeing things, experiencing things that appear to be in the future. But because past, present and future all exist simultaneously, quantum physics accepts that, then it's much more easy to explain the Mandela effect and the deja vu effect, which appear to be opposite. But uh, that, yes, that is explained. <laughs> that's the short answer. That, that, that's a series, uh, a series of rabbit holes. <laughs> yeah, that's a long one there just to even get into. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, then you start you start questioning all sorts of things. You start reevaluating re all sorts of things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so what about? Um, you know, I know we're we're getting to a sort of slightly murky territory here for uh, a short radio segment. But um, what about intuition? Uh, what about uh, communicating? telepathically this, Psychic this is this is very real isn't it absolutely real and uh even the uh, even science has been forced to recognize things like telepathy and uh, remote viewing you know as i think people will know the cia used the uh, ability to remote view um 
and the CIA used it, and so did the Russian secret services. They spied on one another using it since the 70s, early 70s. It's all in the records where they could put a, a guy, a particular psychic who could do this into a room, no windows, and just give them some map coordinates. And the guy um, could cast his mind into that area and then report back what he could see, which sounds absolutely amazing. But this shows the limitless nature of mind and intuition uh, because that's just a, an expanded awareness. We all have access to these things. It's not like in the olden days where they think intuition is just for ladies. You know, yeah. men have intuition. Uh, we just have to stop telling ourselves that we don't. And then it will expand. It's just expanded awareness. And as we expand our awareness, we become aware of more things, but we also become aware of our power and we become aware of our ability to actually take control of our personal reality and create it in the way we want. What starts to get more um, contentious, I think, for people is when we start to uh, talk about world events. What are they? You know, I mean, there's been lots of stuff. Uh, I don't know, Patrick, you have to deal with some of this stuff of uh, unpleasant things that happen around the world. You know, at the moment, the sort of key thing is what, what is happening in Gaza. But we have to, when we have to look at the nature of reality and that all reality is relevant uh, to us personally, then we have to ask ourselves, what is in our reality? And so I'd ask each person to, to think about that. What are they experiencing their day-to-day -day reality? Are they experiencing being bombed, burnt out, raped, pillaged, are they? Uh, because for the vast majority of people, no, they're not. And um, that's because they don't want that in their reality, you know. Um, and therefore, what you don't want in your reality, because your consciousness, your beliefs about what is possible and what is not possible, is all to do with what you create within your reality. In the same way as you create a reality in a dream, you know, which people are quite prepared to accept that that is a conscious projection where they uh, project uh, what appears to be a solid and separate state to them and interact with it that way. But of course, when they wake up, they realize it was a conscious construction. Well, this reality is just another state of consciousness where we individually um, are creating a reality based on our fears, our hopes and uh, our beliefs about what's possible and what is not. I know that may sound very um, contentious, but that's the way it works. I've spent my life looking at this. I'm 70 now, and I've spent at least 60 years looking at this. So I've learned a few things along the way, examined a lot of stuff, and I've tried to simplify it because life is not meant to be complicated. It's not meant to be hard. Just like we discovered with health, you know, it wasn't all about viruses and germs and all sorts of weird shit going on. Oh, sorry, I said that no, word. That's a free speech platform. <laughs> oh, yes. um, so um, we realized that health is very simple. There's just one or two factors, all of which are in your control. Well, the whole of your reality is in your control once you know the few basic rules. And the first thing is to not be afraid. Fear is the only thing to be afraid of, if you like. Sounds a little bit of a strange thing to say. But uh, once you... Uh, Release yourself from fear. Realize that you are in sole control of your reality and only put your energy into things you want. Don't put energy into things you don't want. And that's really what fear does. Deliberately, 
why certain things try to keep you afraid because you end up putting energy into things that you don't want and therefore you then create things you don't want and you do it unconsciously or without realizing it so <clears throat> just put your energy because everything is energy as i said in the talk today consciousness energy and matter are the same thing and that's from a quantum physicist said that uh, professor amit goswami so once you know that that's great power just in knowing that so you think consciousness energy matter it's all the same thing and that's why um uh, science cannot find what they were calling the god particle with a hadron collider let's look for the smallest particle of matter well they never find it because it doesn't exist it's <laughs> as simple as that it's because everything is energy and uh, and we can manipulate energy we do it all the time and that gives real power to people to start creating the reality they want not what they don't want okay that, i'm just giving a thumbnail sketch here but uh, all of that sort of stuff is uh, much of it is in the little book um the nature of reality which as i say is only about ten dollars you can get it on amazon but it's under the name nor it's not under my name nor nor nature of reality nature of reality uh, okay. and uh yeah it's still available um it's better than ron <laughs> <laughs> so so that's it really but uh do do have a look at the course um to be at least on the website um relative reality dot one not dot com dot one relative reality dot one yeah and they'll see a lot more about the sort of newer version of it which uses some different analogies like i was starting to use today where we use the video game ana analogy not that i'm saying life is a video game it's certainly not uh, much more special than that but it starts to explain some difficult concepts because it is difficult to get your head around it when you first come to it so as I say, I'm a simple guy, really, and I like to make things as easy as possible, for not to dumb it down, but to make it relevant to people so they can understand these concepts and then gain the power from these concepts and use it in their life. That's really what it's all about. Yeah, that's so why I'm talking about, you know, propaganda and media. That's a decision you make individually. How if you're going to be traumatized by the news mm. or if you're going to take the information objectively, see through it, that's a personal decision. This is a personal experience and journey that you need to deal with and develop through. You can't expect that the system's going to change just for you or anybody. Yeah. They're not. I don't expect them to change. We have to change. Yeah, we, We're I, still going to deal with propaganda our whole life. There's never going to be a perfect yeah. media Insistent. I think it's important too because it's not solipsism. It's not to say I don't choose to see it that way. That's it's it's not really happening in Gaza because I don't. It's there is no people in Gaza. That's not really happening. It's all fake. It's all that's not correct. But what he's saying is that energy is consciousness and matter. It's really I call it light. Low vibrating light is matter, and high vibrating light is spirit or energy. But if we know through the works of people like Veda Austin and Dr. Emoto that consciousness and feelings and emotions change your water structure of your body and the, and the actual tissues. If you choose to get emotionally affected by sitting, watching Gaza get bombed every day and you're not going to go do something about it and it's making you upset, your thoughts and energy are ruining your water structure by doing that. So if you're going to do something about it, go do it. But as I, the way I take some of David's work is that 
you don't have to make that a part of your reality. And if you're suffering from the non-existential for you, that is the definition of insanity, actually, is suffering the non-existential, which the, the gurus and spiritualists have been saying for thousands of years. You know, the past isn't here anymore because there never is the past. There's only the now. So if you're sitting there worrying about what happened a long time ago, uh, you are insane. You're suffering insanity. If you're worried about what might happen tomorrow, you're insane because there is, it doesn't exist. And you can see, you know, there was people like that Rachel Corey. If you remember her, she went to Israel, um, a, a great girl protesting that the, they were tearing down houses in, uh, in, in the West, ba uh, West Bank, I think. Um, and she stood in front of a bulldozer and said, you're not going to bulldoze this house. And the guy ran her over with a bulldozer, which is just a horrible way to go. But as David's saying, she brought that into her reality. She chose to go stand in front of a bulldozer. And lo and behold, you get run over by a bulldozer. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that was seems to be an experience she wanted to have in in this reality mm -hmm. um, to, to be the, the martyr or whatever, whatever you want to call that or the hero, heroist, heroine, heroine. I don't know what the, fem the feminine yeah. is for you. Hero heroine. Is. Yeah, heroine. heroine. Isn't no. that a kicker? No. Heroin is the feminine for a hero. Yeah. No. Well, there you go. Illuminati. So that's the way I see it, too. So many people are worried about who's in control of where I'm going to be talking about that. You know, who who is it? Who's doing all this and who's in, and they're angry about everything. And it's like, well, are you going to do something about it? Then don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. Look, come have a good time, you know, put your attention and energy on love and peace and building nice and better things. And you start attracting a goodness in your life you know heaven and hell are right here they call this headven and they call the, the bottom of your feet heel hell so you li you live between headven and heel hell and it's right here right now um that's what it is all about and you can create your own heaven because as david's saying you're creating everything for your personalized experience i, I am in total agreement with you there um so why would you create hell for yourself Exactly, exactly. And it's only because for the most part, people don't realize that they are creating their reality. They think it's a solid and separate reality that happens to them. And they don't realize they've immediately put themselves into victim mode, like stuff is out there and happens to them. They don't realize that it starts from within. Uh, like the quote that I wrote, uh, uh, read out uh, Serena Zagadati Maharaj. And I recommend people have a look at that because in just one beautiful piece of writing he explains everything if you can just look into it and see it it's a, it's a wonderful piece and uh, I every now and again if uh, things seem to be getting a little bit awry I just remind myself I have a read of that and I just get everything back on track again <laughs> so it's uh, quite a good piece to keep by you and it is in the little book the nature of reality so people don't need to go and look it up if they buy the book it's in there uh, along with uh, one or two other really meaningful quotes from uh, the ancient East, which uh, they knew it all thousands of years ago. They've been trying to tell the West for a long time, but the West, with their technology, thinks they know a lot better, and so totally ignored them. <laughs> but a start, they've been trying to tell the West for a long time, but the West, 
with their technology, thinks they know a lot better, and so totally ignore them. <laughs> but are starting to sort of backtrack and well, realize. Our, our technology all... is telling us we're going to wrap this uh, <laughs> program up. Uh, David Parker, Steve Falconer, everybody at Anarchapulco 2024. We'll be back here on Thursday, same time, 10 till 12 local. We're going to do a live broadcast with a whole bunch of amazing guests. We really appreciate you guys jumping on board for this. It's been absolutely amazing. We'll catch up uh, after we uh, de-rig here. But uh, thank you. And thank you, everybody, joining us in the background. Live studio. We got, we're live here. <laughs> Patrick Henningsen, your host, signing out with TNT, Today's News Talk. Anarchapogo 2024, more to come this week. Take care of you guys. All the best.